Father, I thank you that we are marked. We have the seal of the Son marked. On our hearts, Lord, you've written and you've given us a brand new heart and written yourself. You've impregnated us with you. You sent your spirit into our spirit and your spirit cried, Abba, Father. The day we reconnected with our Father. You may not know your earthly father. You may not know your mother, your earthly mother. You may not know. You may have no siblings of the natural. But can I tell you today, you have a heavenly father. You have the father of all fathers that wants you to get to know him. He is the source of life. He is our healer. He is our very joy. He is our peace. He is love. And He wants to pour His affection all over and into you today. He came to reconcile you to Him. He came to reconcile all of mankind back to Himself. For all of mankind had fallen out of glory and fallen away from. So He sent His one and only Son. His name is Jesus Christ. It's the name above every name. And this Son that came in the form of man and flesh. He died and He rose again through the power of the Spirit that connected into our hearts. We're not separate to Jesus. We're of the same kind. For He was the, had the Spirit of sonship upon Him and we had the Spirit of sonship upon us. So we are of the first fruits. We have the same kind. And the life we can know is nothing short of breathtaking. God, the Father of all fathers, would say to you today, I want you to know me to such a degree that life before knowing me was but rubbish. And so I believe he's saying, would you open up your heart and your mind to receive? Would you put down old flames to receive new fire? The old flame has got you this far. It was right. If it was me, it was right and good, but it's not going to get you onto this new. You need a new fire. You need greater revelation to be able to walk this walk out. And you need to put down the old flame today, the old mindset, maybe the old way, the ways that maybe are me, maybe not are me, but there's a greater reality for you to know, for you do not yet know as you ought to know. There is a life to experience in Him that is so full. It's so full. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And the man lived an offenseless life. And the man was stoned because he loved God and he spoke the truth. And because he was so full of a life, because he was full of the Spirit, full of the power, the same Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus, that Jesus knew, he was able to utter the words of Jesus and say, do not hold this sin against them. And he was fully man. Are you fully man? Fully woman? Well, then that's for you too. Jesus was fully man, fully God, but did everything as a man to show you what is possible if a man or a woman is full. And the invitation is, do you want to be full? So you can live a life that you were destined, marked, sealed for before the foundation of the earth. 
Well, we need to hear about it if we're going to be able to know it exists. Amen. Someone needs to come along and tell you about a life that's possible so you can hear it, so you can turn and go after it. Otherwise, you never know it exists. God today is going to tell you about more of a life you can know that's for you. It's for you. We just have to want it and receive it because it's for you. Say that to yourself. It's for me. It's not for the person beside me. It's for me. He gave me this question this morning. He said, ask my people what citizenship they are of. If I was to ask you what citizenship you are of, what would your first innate response be? I hope it would be kingdom. But would your first thought go, oh, I'm a British citizen. I'm a New Zealand citizen. I'm an American citizen. Or would it actually really be, would it be your innate first response? I'm a citizen of heaven, living upon the earth. See, this is what we need to get to. We need to understand what citizenship we are really of. Because the Bible says we're citizens of heaven who are sojourning. Yeah, grab a seat. Who are sojourning on this earth. And yet so often we relate to the natural, don't we? We relate to the earthly citizenship. Because that's what we know. And yet God is saying, I want you to know who you truly are in me. For your royalty. Sometimes we don't feel like royalty. But you are. I imagine Prince William and Harry get up and at times they don't probably feel like royalty, but they are. Just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean you're not, does it? Because you are what you are. If God says you're royalty, then you're royalty. But we need to think like royalty. If God says you're a son of the kingdom of heaven, then you are. It doesn't really matter what you think or what you believe. It's about what he's saying about you. And you need to grab hold of that with two hands and go, Lord, help my mind. Because my mind tells me something different to what you tell me. Can you see why the battlefield is of the mind and why the mind must be renewed? How can the church ever prove the will of God if it doesn't know the will of God because its mind isn't renewed to the will of God? It won't. It will live its own will out. And God wants you and I to know his will and to be able to demonstrate his will. Do you know that's what he says in his word? You and I are to not only know it, we are to be the example of it. It says you're to prove what my will is. Wow. Now you can look at that two ways. You can go, that is drowning me right now, or that is exciting me right now. How are you hearing it? Do you hear life, potential, opportunity? Wow, this is for me. Or do you hear, that sounds heavy. I can't do that. Never going to amount to that. It's just so far outside of my... Greg, that sounds so lofty. How are you hearing? Because how you're hearing will determine how you live. And God says you're marked before the foundation of the earth to live above the earth 
even though you are on the earth, you're not of the earth, and you're to be the representation of me because you're an ambassador of heaven on the earth to be able to demonstrate what I did. Nothing short of that would be exciting. Nothing comes close to that. So the challenge is we need to know it because if we don't know it, it won't be exciting. It'll just appear all heavy and weighty, meaning heavy, heavy. It's weighty, it's not heavy. And I love what Mel said, if you're hearing a gospel that is heavy, it's probably not either, it's, you're, not hearing the right, you're not hearing correctly or it's not the right gospel. There are those two options. Jesus said, come to me and I'm going to give you rest. Learn from me so you can stay your whole life in abundance. And the challenge is we tend to view our experience in our life through truth, and that defines truth, not him. And so we go, well, because I haven't experienced that, that can't be real. He goes, no, you just don't know me yet enough. So press in. Can I ask you this morning to lean in? Your flesh may want to lean back. <laughs> We've locked the door so you can't get out. <laughs> you think I'm joking. <laughs> and like I said last week, because we are sons, I'm going to speak to you as sons. I'm not going to give you bacon and eggs for breakfast. I'm going to give you the word of the Lord. Because you are sons, and sons need the word of the Lord to live as sons. So just like a person that's a bodybuilder, he needs to eat the right food if he wants to be a bodybuilder. So we need the right food source if we're going to live as royalty. It makes sense, doesn't it? It's really simple. It's profoundly deep and mysterious, but it makes perfect sense. just want to say thanks, Cliff and Jenny, for yesterday. We had an awesome time. Um, you know when you have these sort of seminars, they unveil things? And, uh, and it's good. It's good because it must unveil things because marriage is so important to God. Hence, he said, the greatest mystery on the planet is that you would know why you were created, which is for a marriage, and that the entire scriptures are defined by a marriage covenant with me. So if we don't know that, how can we know the will of God? How can we be living what the will of God is if we don't know it? And so it's essential that we have marriages that reflect him. Because a marriage that reflects him is a marriage preparing unto the eternal marriage between Christ and the church, which is the greatest mystery, which needs to be known. So it's no longer a mystery, it's a known fact. And we're to know it. But not just to know it here, the enemy is more than comfortable you having an intellectual knowledge of the bride of Christ. He's happy if you have that. What he's not happy about is when you start getting a revealed, renewed mind on the bride of Christ. Because now that's what's going to change you. Information about it doesn't change you. Revelation does. So the enemy is very comfortable with the church knowing information. Because he knows it doesn't change the church. But as soon as you start getting revelation of information, look out. Because you become dangerous. You become dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Because he knows he can't touch you. Because you have the authority that you were born and created for. But while you still remain in information, you never know who you are 
So you're ineffective. See why we need revelation. We need the eternal word that we've been talking about. We need a living word. We need a word that has power on it. What for? To build the church. Amen. You ready for an eternal word? Who enjoyed last week? (laughs) You hanging on? You might want to hang on to your seat. (laughs) Come with me to Philippians 3. And I'm going to read this reasonably quickly. There's not a PowerPoint for this, guys. Just got this this morning. But it defines the message. Paul said, imitate me, did he not? Imitate me as what? As I imitate the Christ. Is that just for the, uh, the Corinthian church or was it for the entire church that would ever be the church? For all. So the invitation is to imitate Paul's life, yes? Because he was imitating the one we follow, Christ. Wow. Do you know much about Paul? My latest book, or his book that I'm writing, is about Paul. Hopefully it'll be out by the end of the year, called Imitate Me. Because we're to imitate Paul. We're not all to be apostles, but we're to look at his life and go, why was he the one that was allowed to write Imitate Me? No one else did it. And then he said, imitate us. What is it about Paul's life that the church is to be imitating? No, he was an apostle. Apostolic people. What on earth is an apostolic people? Well, I encourage you to go online and listen to the whole entire series we taught at the night service about the fivefold. Yeah. I'm not going to teach it now, but we've taught it here. Do you know you're called to be an apostolic people? What on earth does that mean? Go and listen and find out and ask the Holy Spirit. But here are the words of Paul that we're to be imitating. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Do you know him to a measure that life is really nothing compared to the knowledge of God you've got? And that he is the one that defines life. I'm going to preach to you as sons. I'm going to preach you an eternal word that we need to eat if we're going to live this life of the supernatural. The gospel is supernatural. It's nothing natural about what Jesus did, who Jesus was, correct? He came from above. He lived. He's back there now. And he's interceding to build a supernatural people. People say, oh, we're just mere humans. Do you know that's demonic wisdom? And that mindset will keep you living little. We have to identify the lies that get thrown our way. And because our minds aren't being renewed, maybe we have these religious mindsets and thoughts that actually keep us little. And we think it's humility, but it's false humility. And we think we're being really nice Christians. I go, no, we're just being silly in the name of God. You can know it all. The greatest supernatural miracle is your transformation, not a healing. The greatest miracle is for you to become like Christ. That's what Jesus tells. That's why they were saying, give us another miracle, give us another miracle, give us another miracle. He's like, you guys, I already gave you one. You're not getting another one. You still haven't got it yet. I am the bread of life. It wasn't about feeding the people. It was an analogy to show you what you need, me. And if you eat me and drink of me, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty. 
So how hungry are you for Christ? How thirsty are you for the real deal? Not your or my version of it. The real deal that's creating the real life. Because the life of Christ, the word of Christ, builds Christ-like people. Like I said last week, they're called Christians. They're Christ-like who walk in the manner of Christ. But if you still love your own life more than the pursuit of Christ, you'll never be like Christ. In the fullness, hear me, in the fullness, the message that we're preaching here is an inner life. I know if the inner life gets taken care of, the outer life is just an expression of it. You don't go chasing externals, guys. If you are, stop. We are people of outcomes. The flesh is outcome-driven. Give me the goals. Give me the goals. We want to do the outcome. No, get to know him, abide in him, and you'll have every outcome you'll dream of. How long is that going to take? Don't know. Maybe forever. Oh, wasn't counting on that. Now that's the problem. So we're not prepared to wait to be built. So we chase the externals. The challenge is God can let you live in the externals. And he does. Verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Man, this is a bold statement, is it not? And may be found in him. If people were to look at your life over three months, where would you be found? Have you ever thought about that? If there was a video taken of your life and it was played back to you, what would it say? Where would you be found? What would you be found doing? Who would you be found with? See, Paul said, my life is but rubbish compared to the knowing of this guy called Jesus. And I just want to be found in him all the time. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the righteousness of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. So I know what I did before. I know who I was as Saul. But because I received the living gospel, I'm no longer ashamed of who I was and what I did. The righteousness of God, how right I am in God is expressed through the gospel, the word of God. And it goes from faith to faith to faith. And man shall not live on bread alone, but shall live by what? Every word. And man shall live by faith. The righteous live by what? Fear or faith? Their own intellect or the spirit? How are we ever supposed to live the life we are called and marked for if we're not in the word? The Bible says the early church devoted their lives to four things. Can you tell me what they were? It was not coffee. It was not food. It was not watching the All Blacks. Or Liverpool. It was a close second. That was a fifth. (laughs) It said they devoted themselves to the Word. 
not a book, Jesus, and the words of Jesus. They devoted themselves to prayer, fellowship, not having cups of tea. Fellowship is not hanging out together. Fellowship is union with God, meaning spiritual oneness with the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son. I invite you to be one, fellowship. We have fellowship, common union with God. We're one with God. It's not cups of tea and hanging out. You can do that and not have fellowship at all. That's companionship. And the breaking of bread, meaning God rem- remembering what God has done and eating and drinking of what he has done. That's him. See, when we have communion, we're not just eating bread and drinking juice. You're eating Christ and drinking Christ. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. I am the eternal word. If you partake of me, you have my life in you. You can walk like me. You're not trying. You're not trying to activate principles. The abiding life is in you, just comes out of you. You no longer have to ask, how do I do this? You know, because Christ is within you. Can you hear the difference between how does that happen through the power of the Holy Spirit being revealed Christ in you? You know how to do everything because you have the knowledge of Christ, which brings the knowledge of the how. It's called wisdom. Demonstration. Not intellectual knowledge. It's called wisdom. Wisdom is demonstrated. It is that, but the greater, more mature position of wisdom is wisdom is vindicated by her deed, her ability to live a Christ-like life out. Listen to these words. Verse 10. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. You want to know him still? You want to have oneness with his sufferings as well as his life, which is all contained in life, sufferings, being conformed to his death? Here's the good news. In order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead, the goal of life, God never leaves you downcast. He always brings you vision and hope. So he says, you must lose, but here you gain. This is the gospel. If you're only getting one half, it's not the gospel. It's both. It's lose but gain. And they ultimately, they're one posture. And the crushing and the pressing, new wine is coming. Not that I, here we go, listen to this, this is verse 12. Not that I, Paul, have already obtained it or have already become perfect. Oh, you can't be perfect. Yes, you can. Why? Because the word tells me. Be perfect like your heavenly Father's perfect. Is your mind hurting a little bit by now? Is this coming against the mind of religiosity? Christian culture that's religion? Perfect. You can be mature. That's what the word means. Be mature. Be mature like the Father. Why? Because the Son is the example of who you're to follow. You're to become Christ-like. He did everything as a man, even though he was God. Whoa, this redefines your entire Christian walk, guys. The eternal word builds this reality. But I press on, I lean in, so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Are you leaning in to what he took hold of you for? What did he take hold of me for, Greg? 
because it wasn't just to save you from hell. That's the start. We've made that the whole. That's the start. See, it's the kingdom message. The kingdom message. In that message, the great mystery exists. Are you leaning in to know the mysteries of the kingdom to which you've been granted to know, which will define your life, which will have you living completely different here on earth? You won't incorporate Jesus in. He is the source of your very life. It's a whole different Christianity. It's a whole different walk. It's not surviving. It's thriving. It's thriving life, overcoming life. Now, please hear me. If we're stuck in the mud today, that's cool, but he came to get you out of the mud. Do you want to get out of the mud? Or do you want to wallow in the mud? You have a choice. He's burning for us to discover who we are and live it. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do. What doesn't he hold, laid hold of? So you've got to ask these questions because there are answers to these questions. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is too late. Can you hear what I'm saying? Tomorrow will come, but God has you right here today to receive a word that will change you. Not tomorrow, today. I hope you've got ears to hear and a heart to receive. Reaching forward to what lies ahead. Here we go. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal of the upward call. There's a prize to be realized and received, and it's an upward call. It's called living a full life here on earth while your apprenticeship is served on earth, and God is changing us from the inside out. So by the time our judgment seat comes, we have been perfected, matured in Christ. Our lives have lived the life that we were called to live, and then we get the prize called a marriage to Christ. But it comes from living the life of a bride. Now. You're not waiting for an eternity. It'll be lived out now. This is our apprenticeship now. And we must eat the eternal word if we're going to live the way Christ lived. It is an upward call. And when the word is preached, the word should hold you. So like you should be in a sense of awe and reverence right now if you're hearing what I'm saying. You should be like, wow, it's pretty big. Are you? Because if it's not, you've got a God you can figure out. No. And I don't want that God. I want a God that's outside of my ability, but through his power, I can know him. If I can figure God out, it's not God. And I need God desperately to know God and know who I am so I can live a supernatural life because I was born of the natural, of the flesh. But one day the power of the Holy Spirit came in and filled this vessel up, turned this vessel around and said, Whoa, what's this, son? You just got born again to my Christian walk. Now walk it out with me, with me. Do not leave me. Stay close to me. Be found in me your entire life. Do not love one another, another person more than me. Do not give your heart to another thing or another person, for I want to be the lover of your soul. 
And I will show you great and mighty things, son, that you do not yet know, so you can be a voice for them in this nation. Ooh. You too have been called to be voices in this nation of the mysteries of the kingdom that you were called to be born into. Apostolic. One of them means means to be a sent people. Oh, that sounds familiar. I'm sending them into the world. The world is right there. Don't think overseas. You're going into the world when you leave this place. You're in the world right now. Your mission field is your workplace, your home, your neighborhoods, your communities. Wherever you go, that's your mission field. It was his mission field. The Thessalonian church, they received the word of God in four elements or attributes. Who can tell me what they were? We preached this last week. If you weren't here, you get a, you get a grace card. <laughs> what were the four elements that the Thessalonians received the word in? Yell it out so we can hear it. Oh. So they heard the gospel in four elements. Can't hear you. Power, number one. Holy Spirit, too. And a full conviction. They heard it in word, power, Holy Spirit, full conviction. If you get a full conviction of the word, what do you think is going to happen? Boom! <laughs> Realignment, reconfigurement, resent. Drop your idols, pick up God, serve God. That's the gospel. So they heard the gospel in words... Power, Holy Spirit, and full conviction. Acts 2.37, when Paul, Peter, sorry, gets finished preaching from Joel, this massive sermon, it says that the word pierced the people's hearts. The Jews that were in Jerusalem, they heard the word, it pierced their heart. Why? Because that word came in power in the Holy Spirit. It created a full conviction. And then the next thing they said was, what do we need to do? He said, get saved and repent and be baptized. Stop living for you. Turn around and start living for him and discover the life that he has for you, not the life you think he has, which is temporal. God did not give you life to be a CEO of a company, to be a senior leader, to be a mom, to be a dad, to be a business person, to teach all this stuff. He gave you a life to know him firstly and know what it means to be a son who's actually wanting to see his kingdom expressed in and through the church and in the world. Then you become a CEO, a mum, a dad, a sports star, whatever but not the other way around. We've got it completely around the wrong way and we ask God to come and we incorporate God while I be a sports person. And I may or may not share Jesus with people or I may wear things on my wrist and go, yeah, I'm a Christian. But I never enter into the fullness of losing my entire life to discover the true life that I was created for. And I live for that and nothing else gets in the way of that. There's nothing wrong with those other things, but that's not the life I was called for. But I may be married and I may have a job 
and I may be a senior leader. Can you hear what I'm saying? They are so subtle and they are so close, but in operation they are miles apart. The gospel will change you. And they heard the gospel in these four elements. It's a supernatural gospel. See, the problem is we just hear with our minds. We make a mental agreement with our minds and go, that's truth. And we think that's it. I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's not enough. Can you hear what I'm saying? It's not enough to make a mental agreement with facts. You have to receive the truth through the vehicle in which it comes, which is called the Spirit of God. And as you continue to receive that word through the power of the Spirit, not through trying to understand words, all of a sudden life starts to change. You find yourself with a power, a substance in you, and you're able to do stuff that you know is not you. Have you experienced that yet? Have you experienced that there is another life in you coming out of you, whether it's loving someone or just being patient, when you're never patient? Or you weren't that kind and now you've been kind. Or you've got a workmate that's real pain. But they're not a pain because they're there to help you become more loving and gentle and kind. And all of a sudden, because you're eating this word, wow, I've got something in me that wasn't in me before. And I find myself being able to be patient and kind and gentle with this person I wanted to smack on the head six months ago. But you know it's not you. Have you experienced that yet? Like you can genuinely go, look, I know this isn't me. I, I listen to my sermons to critique myself. I go, man, I listen to them over and over and over. You know why? Because I get fed. Not because I'm trying to think, oh, Greg, you sounded great. I go, that's coming out of me, man. That's direct food. And it encouraged me again. I'm going, who's that speaking? Do you know last Sunday night, I spoke stuff that I didn't even know I spoke in the morning. And then I said it at, at night while we were in this, the, the groups, which I still didn't know I'd actually sit in the morning. And it was only when I listened to my message again that I went, that came out of me Sunday morning. And I had no cognitive knowledge that that came out of me Sunday morning. I'm like, I got fresh revelation, and I got it in the toilet. Like, this is awesome, cool. He said, no, son, you spoke that this morning, but I didn't know that until I listened again on Monday. How cool is that? But that's for everybody. And it's almost you've got to catch up because it's coming out of your spirit and your mind's going, got that. Oh man, I've got to eat that, I've got to eat that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And now it's like renewed in your mind. Now you can see it. See, it's about hearing it and seeing it and understanding it because when you hear, understand, and see, you live. Yes, Lord. Hmm. Ephesians 5 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. I just want to read 1 Corinthians 4, 18. This is powerful. Once again, this is Paul. 1 Corinthians 4, 18. The context is servants of Christ. He talks about being a father and the life a father lives. And He says, you know, there are many leaders but not many fathers. 
There are many people that want to lead, they want to be at the front, but they don't want to be fathers. And through the scripture, the whole context, he's defining what a true father is. But then he says this in verse 18, Now some have become arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. I'm not interested in what you say so much as I'm interested in, are you changing? Do you have a powerful demonstration of Christ's life being built in you and through you? Not even just laying hands on sick people. Are you becoming like Christ? Are you being the witness, not just speaking words? See, does your life give a witness of Jesus before you ever speak anything? Do people read you like a letter before you even speak? And go, what a witness, because the power of the word is changing you. So in your words, in the way you treat people, they go, look at that witness. And he's never said anything, or he's uttering, or she's uttering things. So he's going, I'm not coming here to test your words on what you know intellectually. See, when Jesus asked the scribe what the greatest kingdom, sorry, the greatest commandment was, The scribe said to love the Lord your God, and he quoted Deuteronomy. And Jesus said this, you've answered intelligently, but you're not far from the kingdom. Where's the kingdom? Within us. So you can answer questions intelligently and get all the right answers and not be able to live the life out. You're not far from the reality. You're not far from actually this true kingdom life being built in you, but you've answered well, well done. But that's not enough to be able to live this life out. And as we know, this man had not yet received the message of repentance through John the Baptist's message. So he wasn't yet born again of the kingdom. But we have been born again of the kingdom, have we not? So we are not to be able to just answer questions correctly, but we are to be able to live out the life and answer the questions correctly. So often we think if we get the question right, that's it. Yay, got it right, well done, passed 100 out of 100, got my theology degree. Great, now let's live out that degree. What? Yeah, let's live it out. Come on, let's be love. What? What are you talking about? I want to demonstrate love because the commandment was you would love God, like love people like God loves people. They never taught us that. And we've been hoodwinked. We need to get back to the word. We need to be able to see as Father says. Not create our own version of it to satisfy ourselves, but live short of the mark that we're called to live. It's a high calling. And it requires an eternal word to be eaten. Man, he's done it all. He's given his spirit to us that we could know the mysteries of the kingdom and eat and drink of them. Eat my flesh and drink my blood, otherwise you will have no life within yourselves. Man, that's a tricky statement to understand. That's right, because you're trying to understand it in your mind. See, even Peter's best efforts, the best efforts he could muster up weren't good enough. But Lord, when he said, are you going as well? He said, no, Lord, we know you have the words of eternal life. We've come to know and believe. 
And he meant it. With all his gusto, with all his mind and his heart, he meant what he said. And he also meant what he said when he said, I will never deny you, Lord, and I will go to my death with you. He meant it with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. He meant what he said. But then, when the test came to live out what he said he was, he couldn't. He was found out, wasn't he? For our purposes. We look and we go, oh, poor Peter. I wouldn't be like that. Really? You see, you don't want to be the Peter before Acts. We all say, oh, I'm like Peter. I want to be Peter. Oh, I recognize with Peter. No, you don't want to recognize yourself with the Peter before Acts. You want to recognize yourself with the Peter after Acts. The Peter before Acts denied him, said he could do this, couldn't do it. He was messing it up. Yeah, he got a few things right, but don't, don't go, oh, I want to be, oh, I'm like Peter. No, be the new Peter. Be the Peter that receives the word, gets up, and under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, speaks the word. And 3,000 people get added because they hear the word, which was written before the beginning in Joel. We relate to the wrong side of the cross so many times because that's what we know. And God's like saying, come on, man, you're supposed to be living on the other side of the cross where the life is. I came to bring life and abundant life. There is multiple life in the pasture. Why are we scrapping over one loaf of bread when there's a feast? Because all we know is the cross. We don't know the life after the cross. Man, the cross was just a stepping stone to life. Don't camp there. There's more for you, more for me, more for us. And he says this, I shall not find the sorry, I'll find out not the words of those that are arrogant, but their power for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Warren knows in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or with love and the gentleness of spirit. What's he saying? Am I going to have to come to you with a rod? You tell me how I'm going to come. With rod? To whack you? To wake you up? Out of this pride position? Because you think it's all about words and knowledge of the mind? Or should I come to you with love and gentleness? You determine how I'm going to come. I really want to come with love and gentleness. I don't want to have to come with a disciplining word that you might actually then kill me with because you don't like what I bring, but I'm coming out of love to try and wake you up because you're pride, full of yourself, and you can't do, he's saying, what you say you can do because it's not about words, it's about power. Do you know the power? Do you know the power of the gospel? I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of salvation. I once was this, I'm now this. I once was lost, I'm now found. There's nothing in between. I'm not partially found. So you tell me how God needs to come to you. God wants to come and love and gentleness, but he will come with a rod. And that's love. Isn't it, parents? You will discipline your children out of love. And that's not wrong, it's right. It's only this world that tells us it's wrong. 
It's right to keep them in alignment to what they were called for. He's the same with us. And he says, eat me and drink of me, my eternal word, so you can have life, so you can walk in alignment. You know, Jesus didn't come to make it easier. He came to make it harder. Do you believe me? What's the standard under the law for murder? I bet you don't murder. What's, what's the, sorry, what's the new standard for murder? If you hate someone, you've as good as murdered them. He makes it harder, doesn't he? Adultery. Don't look at her with lust in your eye because you've just committed adultery. What? I didn't touch her, Lord. Yes, you did. Here. Jesus made it harder. Why? To show you how you can't meet the law. He lifted the bar when he came. He raised the standard above the earth and said, let me make it harder. Why? So you'll stop trying in your flesh to meet the standard that you cannot fundally meet. Grace. Which is power, not covering. So you need my grace, my power. Being saved by grace does not mean covering. That's love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Power, grace, gets you out of sin. Saved by grace, saved by the power of God. Not ashamed of the gospel. Because why? Because I was once a sinner, now I'm a sin. Why? Because grace. See, we confuse it all. We go, oh, grace, no. Love's covering you. Grace is power. While he covers you, his power comes to rescue you. So live your entire life by grace, power. The gospel comes in what? Holy Spirit, power. Power is power. The word is power. The entire thing is on the power of God. Why? So your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6. I don't come in words that are persuasive. I don't come in human intellect. I used to. My name was Saul. I no longer do. I come as Paul. I don't come with these nice, well-schemed messages that tickle everyone's ears, make them feel good, but don't change them. I come in power, in the demonstration of the Spirit and the Spirit's power, so your faith would not rest on man. It would rest where? On God. Why? Because the life I'm calling you for is not natural. It's supernatural and you cannot fundamentally do it without the eternal word. So I come and I make it harder. And that's beautiful. It doesn't look beautiful on some of your faces. This is good news. This is the gospel. See, I told you, you want the gospel, I'm going to give you the gospel. If you can hear it, man, you'll be doing the dance. Boom, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Come on, join me. I can't do it. I can't do it. See, I got black of me. I can't do it. I can't do it. But you can. I can't do it. But you can. You can. And you will, God. Amen. See, my great granddad, he's the color of Emmanuel. My great-granddad's from Sierra Leone. It's my mother's side. <laughs> Don't get me started. 
you think I'm white, but I'm black on the inside. <laughs> Preach like a black man. Come on. Woo! I'm just starting. You remember when Wayne Cheney came here? Who remember Wayne Cheney, black guy from Long Beach? Man, he was all over the stage. He brought 16 of his people with him. They were standing up, preacher, passed away, preacher. Our guys were like, what is this? They were like out there. He's run here. He's lying down. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? And everyone was engaging with him. Man, it was awesome. Why? Because they could hear the word and the word was going out. And the spirit that hears the word responds to the word of the spirit because it's one. And there's a building and it's like a feeding. It's like being connected to the heaven straight into your heart. (laughs) Let's just go to 1 Thessalonians and then we'll wrap it. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. Just so I can back up what I'm saying with Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. Now, once again, these are the Thessalonians, yes, that have heard the word and the gospel and word, power, Holy Spirit, full conviction. Okay? Same place, just one chapter over. They, they dropped their idols and they started serving a living God and waited for his son from heaven, which doesn't mean hiding in a cave, it means getting prepared for the return of the son and living. As a son, we're not to fear the end times, are we? No. Do you know why? What's the book of Revelation about? It's about a marriage covenant, it's about the revelation of Christ. It's not about all this bad stuff. What's the church made it about? The bad stuff. And then we tell you not to read it, eh? Because it's really bad. But actually, the book of Revelation says, Blessed are those who heed the words in this book, and they'll be blessed. But we teach, don't go read it. Mm. That's fascinating. Here we go. You ready? 1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this reason we also constantly thank God, remember that just the chapter before, that when you received the word, so this is Paul, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work, where? Who what? Should we read that again? For this reason, we also constantly thank God. So Paul is constantly in thankfulness to God. Is that our lives? Do we live a life of thankfulness and appreciation? Or do we spend more time groaning and complaining about what we're not in? Because we can't see what we're really in. So we're to live a life of thankfulness and praise. Thank you, Lord. Man. Okay, so thankfulness to God that when you received, everyone say received. How do you receive the word? How do you receive the gospel? Questions I asked you last week. Through the natural or through the spiritual? That's how you're supposed to. Are you receiving the word through the spiritual that builds you and enables you to live a life worthy of the calling? 
Can you yet live the commandment out? To love the person beside you like heaven. Have you received the word in you that you can live that commandment out, hand on heart, and go, I have eternal love in me, agape, and I can love the person beside me with that love. That's the standard, because that's the commandment, isn't it? So when the man came and said, there's all these laws, the 613 laws, and you've got these 10 commandments, really confusing, aren't they? Imagine trying to keep those, see? That's pretty full on, 613 laws. He said, what is it, Lord? What is it? He said, let me take this. Let me take all the law and the prophets. Let me take the 613 laws and the 10 commandments and let me whittle it down to two things to make it real simple and real easy. Love me, then go love people with the love you love me with. That's the commandment. That's where we start. It's very quiet. Here's the thing you can do in your flesh with a gifting and a calling. Lay hands on sick people. Raise the dead. Preach. Prophesy. Works. This is what you can't do. Love people like me with a gift and a calling. What do you need to do that? The eternal word in you. Mm, I think we need to get back to the start. We need to get back to what he's actually saying. See, our minds need to be renewed to the truth and the true starting point. That's why he makes it so easy. Let me make it easy. Here's my commandment, which is actually really the first commandment in the Ten Commandments. And you can take the first four of the Ten Commandments and go, that's what it means to love God with all your heart. And you can take the six other commandments and that is, well, that's what it means to love people as God loves. Because if I truly love my brother as Christ loves him, I'm not going to covet his wife or his property or his stuff because that's not love. I'm not going to pull him down because that's not love. I'm going to build him up. I'm going to speak words of life. I'm going to be patient and kind and gentle and long-suffering. Why? Because I love him with the love of the Father. And that's the same love that I love this lady with over here. Hold on a minute. She's your wife. Certainly you must love her more than you love a brother in Christ. No, because the love of heaven doesn't determine and it has no favorites. God loves a non-Christian, like he loves me, does he not? Yep. So if that love is in me, why am I separating out love between relationships? That would be called fleshly and a mind that's of the flesh. When I have the mind of Christ and the life of Christ, I realize I've got a love in me which is not me. Human love loves Danielle more than it loves Danny. <laughs> Danielle, Danny. <laughs> But kingdom love loves the same. It loves people it doesn't even know. Why? Because the love isn't defined by relationship here. It's defined with relationship there. And so it goes here, that way, because it's the love of the Father. Be perfected in love in me. The Word of God in me. Christ, which is love, loving through the vessel. 
So yes, I know my wife more than I know Danny, and I spend more time with my wife than I Danny, and we do things that I certainly don't do with Danny. <laughs> but that is flesh stuff. It is not the kingdom stuff of loving people as he loves me. There are no favorites in the kingdom. There is favor that comes on people who are obedient and faithful, but there are no favorites in the kingdom. And the love is for all, for God sent his one and only son for the entire mankind, whether you are Adolf Hitler or Mother Teresa. It's irrational. It doesn't matter. It comes because it's unreasonable. It's kingdom love. You see, reason and logic goes... Yeah, never figure it out because that's from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the knowledge from the tree of life is called revelation. And that renews the mind, gives you the ability to live as Christ while you're on the earth, which baffles every earthling. And people still trying to get their food source out of the kingdom of darkness, which is the natural, which we can do as followers. So how do you receive the word of God, which you heard from us? Now, it's not natural hearing. You can hear words. Can you hear the word in your spirit? You've got to be able to hear in the spirit. I gave the spirit for you to hear in the spirit, walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, partake from the spirit. So there's spiritual hearing and then there's just natural hearing. Natural hearing hears all sorts of funny things. And then it goes off and tries to implement them. And it ends in nothingness and frustration. But spiritual hearing, here's the word which enters in and brings life. And we're about to read this because this is what it says. Heard from us, you accepted it. There must be an agreement, guys. If you reject what's being said, that's not accepting it, is it? You're actually rejecting. You're keeping it at hand's length, arm's length. No, no, why? Because I just know what that is or I'm in fear of what that is and now that doesn't fit in my box. I've got a mindset on that and that's opposite to that. Where did you get your mindset from? Where did you get your true knowledge from? This is another question we have to ask ourselves. Mum and dad, a Weetbix packet, my own thinking and experience, no. The only knowledge you have of God has come from God via revelation of God. Flesh and blood cannot, do not, did not reveal this to you, Peter. It had to come from above. John 3.29, a man can only receive what's from heaven through the power of heaven. It's called the Holy Spirit. If you can know God without God, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Let's rip out all the scriptures and the role of the Holy Spirit that says the Holy Spirit has come to convict man of sin, convict them of righteousness, and also, by the way, lead the truth, the church into all truth. If we can do that on our own, we do not need the Holy Spirit. Do we? So we can't. And the problem, guys, with us is we have a hunger in our hearts for knowledge because God has put it there. And it is right and it is good. And it's like a beacon that goes, do, 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 do. And what you need to find is the real truth. He's called Jesus. He's called a person. He's not a principle. He's not a process. He's not anything but who he is. He is the way. And when we find knowledge, the truth sets you free. That's what he says, doesn't he? 
So there's this true knowledge that we must accept, not reject, if we want life. But more often than not, and this is our other challenge, a renewed mind and an unrenewed mind, if humility isn't present, have issues with one another. It's called spirit and flesh coming together. But an, a renewed mind will be able to love an unrenewed mind. And it stays and goes nowhere. So it doesn't walk away from discipleship, it invites it. An unrenewed mind walks away from discipleship. Because it's not getting what it perceives it wants. That's interesting. Yeah, we're supposed to be on the same page, aren't we? So where did you get your knowledge? Where are you getting your knowledge? The true knowledge that's building you. I hope it's from him directly. So you have to accept that not as the word of men, <laughs> but for what it really is, the word of God. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe what you're hearing is from me or him? This is the challenge, isn't it? That's right. I'm not. If you didn't hear that, it was, I'm not that clever. I would agree with you. I'm not. I can't do this. But the challenge is, and this, is, this isn't just me now. This is for us. This is where there's so much contention in the body of Christ, isn't it? How many denominations do we need? Have anyone asked yourself why there are so many denominations? When the Lord's prayer was that we would be one. See, when you start actually seeing and hearing truth and going, there's something not right. Why is it there are four versions on end times? And we're all we're comfortable to go this. Well, you have your version and I'll have my version. I reckon if Jesus turned up, he <laughs> I just went, my version. And maybe one of those versions is my version, but why is it that man has at least three or four versions of something we should have being one in? You want me to tell you why? Because we're trying to seek our understanding through our mind, not the spirit. And so we end up fighting each other on truth because we want to be right or wrong, not live righteously. And go, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I haven't had this revealed, so I even don't really have an opinion on it because it hasn't yet been revealed. So let's walk together. And I reckon he might just reveal it. As we love one another and live righteously, and that would be a witness to a world and a church, wouldn't it? What is it? The Word of God, the Word of man, which also performs its work in you who believe. So there is a work that comes from a Word and it performs a work in you who believe. The seed goes out, parable of the sower. It falls on four environments, hard places, rocky places, thorny places, good soil. And the Bible says all those who heard and understood, not just heard, two of those environments heard but never understood, what happened to those two environments that heard but didn't understand? the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth as I try to live for me, choke out the kingdom fruit. 
And the other one got excited all for about five minutes. Woohoo! Yeah! Woohoo! First trial. Punch! Persecution from the word, it says. Ah, yeah, nah, nah, no fruit. But the one who heard and understood had fruit produced and they had fruit to bring. 30, 60, 100 times the seed that was sown. Is the kingdom seed in you still a seed? Or do you have fruit from the seed that was sown in you whenever you received it? Where's the fruit? I'm asking this question to me. Do I have the fruit of the seed of the same kind that was sown? So the seed is the eternal word. It goes out, it's heard and understood, and people bring fruit. How much do you want? I got 30, 60, 100 fold to what was sown. It was a single seed called a kingdom seed. And the kingdom of God seed goes out, becomes a tree. Isn't that what it says? I got a tree full of fruit. Woohoo! How much do you want? Because there's plenty to go around that never runs out. I'd like some of your fruit. Can I have a bite of your banana? Your apple? Oh, what are we talking about? You know, the fruit. Because we're in this together. And I want you to bite my fruit and I want to bite your fruit. So we're to be people of fruit, proving to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Greg, what is the fruit? Is it signs and wonders and reaching lost? No. It's called love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, which is bringing self under the control of the Spirit, not trying to live and be obedient. See, when self comes under the control of the Holy Spirit... That's a being posture. Quite different to trying to be a Christian, isn't it? Trying to, oh man, you can't control yourself. It needs to be killed with the gospel, with a word that you've heard and you've received and it's performed a work in you. And now you have fruit growing in you that you don't really know how it's happening, but it's happening because it's supernatural because you fell on a rock and got broken into pieces one day and the spirit of pride left you and you've actually come into the real thing and you're like, whoa, what's going on, man? I can love like God. Woohoo! And I know it ain't me, but it's coming out of me and people are the recipients of it. This is what it means to be a Christian. It's lifestyle Christianity. I love Todd White. That's what he calls it. Lifestyle Christianity. We call it radical. He calls it lifestyle. Man, do we need to find it. You know, all you've got to do as a branch is what? What does that mean, though? What does it mean? What if, you were to, if someone was to say to you, Explain to me what that is for you. Explain to me, because I'm a lost person looking for Jesus. And I read John 15, and it talks about abiding. I've never even heard of that word. And this is remain. And because of it, much fruit is produced. 
And it says if you don't abide, oh, you end up in a bit of fire for more purification, which is good. So what does it mean, Danny, to abide? Explain to me in experience what that is. Try put words to it. Because apparently if you abide and remain, there's an abundance of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. And so you prove to be my disciple, not just someone who's going along with me. And it says then my joy is made full in you, which no one can take. Because you can't lose your joy because you didn't get your joy on your own. You can only lose your joy if you found it. But when it's put in you, you can't lose it because it's not yours to lose. It's him in you. I can't lose Jesus. That would be scary. What happens if you lose Jesus? you going to hell. You can't lose Jesus. Joy. See, guys, we really need our minds renewed here and start truly seeing kingdomly, not earthly, trying to look up. We should be looking down. There's too many people like this. When we're seated in heavenly places, what are you looking at, Simnel? What's it like down there, son? Well, I can see. I can see the whole thing. Think about that. Challenge yourself on that today. And so if someone was to ask you, what does it mean to abide in Christ? The whole thing. Not just this. Oh, yes, Lord, I hear. Okay, go and... Go over there and speak that word to that person. That is a form of abiding, but that's not producing love in me. What does it really mean? What is the scripture? What is Father truly saying the way he's saying it? Because it's to be impacting me, isn't it? I'm the recipient of that eternal word. Can I leave it there? Thank you, Father, for today. We thank you, God, that you are challenging us to our core from a place of love in the hope that we would seek what we are hearing, in the hope that we would, with all we have, seek you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I pray like Moses did when he looked at the burning bush on the dry side of the mountain and a dry bush and it had a angelic flame in it he didn't say oh that's interesting and walk away he went what on earth is that it wasn't logical it wasn't something he'd seen before or heard before and he went to it and asked a question and you answered him because you were in the illogical thing that was very logical to you but illogical to him and so God what we're hearing is not logical to our rational mind it's not logical, it's logical to you, for it is your way, and it is your way, for you are the way, and you've come to build a church that knows the way, the truth, the life, that overcomes every obstacle, trial, tribulation on this earth because of the Christ in her, for Christ in us is the hope of glory, Father. Your glory in us is the hope. Christ being built in the church is the hope of the world. And Father, I pray that we would go after it and our minds would not get in the way and let our spirit receive and let the spirit renew our minds so we can see in our minds and prove the will of God, being renewed and transformed, no longer conforming to the patterns of this world, but being transformed by the renewing 
and having the mind of Christ, God, to see as Christ saw, think as Christ thought, and speak as Christ spoke about ourselves and others first. So God, we surrender again today and we position ourselves at your feet like Mary. And we say, reveal, 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 Holy Spirit, reveal your living word that performs its work deep in our innermost being. And rivers of life come forth from this inner place. He who believes in me, as the scriptures declare, from their innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Lady, you don't have this eternal water because you're not asking because you don't know who stands in front of you today. But today I'm telling you, I am the water of life. So if you want life, ask and seek and knock on the door of Christ. For I stand on the outside of your heart today and I knock, wanting to come in and dine with you. Do you want to dine with me? I want to dine with you. Man, he loves us with such a burning passion. Like I said last week, he left perfection to show you how valuable you are to him. Not that you would just be saved from sin, but to live as a son. Can we hear that? You are so valuable. The gospel reveals your value, your worth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing is impossible in God when Christ is at work in the church, when he is the builder of the church and not man. In Jesus' name. Amen.